Welcome to the So That Got Me Thinking podcast. I am your host Nat and if you like exploring womanhood, motherhood, how we strive and fail, psychology and spirituality, then this is the place for you. A weekly podcast where we look at hints, tips, books, coaching, special guests to help us all grow together. On the podcast, so Penny is a love coach and a relationship expert specializing in highly sensitive and empathic women. Penny teaches boundaries and how to protect yourself from narcissistic men and help them achieve your relationship of your dreams by restoring our self worth self-esteem and our self-confidence. Penny is originally from Spain and has lived in London for over 20 years. Penny, welcome to the Start Got Me Thinking podcast. Happy to be here. Amazing. Penny, I want to jump right in. So tell me more about us highly sensitive and empathic women because I think, well, I know I am one of these, but what, what stops us, what boundaries do we have? What makes it difficult for us to find love specifically? Um, in particular with uh, empathic or empathetic women, we are always thinking of the other person. So we, yes. we tend to be always thinking of accommodating the other person, making the other person to feel good, which it's, it's fine. And a lot of people do this as well. But the problem with empathetic women is that they tend to put themselves last and they're always uh, looking after the well-being of others and they tend to be a little bit neglectful with their own well-being. I see. And I resonate. Yeah. (laughs) I do resonate. So when you're teaching boundaries, Penny, what are these boundaries Mm -hmm. that we need to learn? Is it around taking care of ourselves? Um, Yes. Well, what... First of all, taking care of yourself and learning to put yourself first. That it's it's great to be loving to people, taking care of people and uh, putting yourself in other people's shoes. But as long as you're taking care of yourself first. And we are, uh, for, it was my case that uh, I came from a toxic family, so putting yourself first was out of the question. Everybody else came first, and you came last. So there is a lot of people that are empathetic due to this growing up in this mm. scenario. This could be one of the reasons why you are more empathetic than others. Uh, some people are ten- they're, they're also born like this. They're mm-hmm. even though they live in a beautiful, loving household they they still tend to be like this the thing is that when you are in a loving household they always they also considering your own well-being but when you are in a toxic household not necessarily they're going to consider your well-being as well when we're talking about toxic households and yes sometimes because i I've got two daughters and I would say we're all quite empathetic and I often because it can feel like a burden can't it like being highly Mm -hmm. sensitive and feeling all these feelings and being around all these people because you can literally feel their emotions sometimes can't you you can take it all on 
And yeah. like, I like to say, like, I've written a blog about this, but I like to say to my girls, um, like, if you use this in the right way, it can be your superpower. It can be how you see, how you understand people. And it can really yeah. be your, like, your thing that stands you apart. Yeah. But it can be really difficult to get to that point, can't it? It can be really, really difficult to feel like mm-hmm. I know what's going on here. <laughs> I, yeah. I got this and I'm in control of how I am because it comes with a level of acceptance isn't it thinking do you know what I'm not I don't want to change who I am and how I approach the world but I've just got to put those boundaries up that I'm safe within that exactly so the awareness is the first step so Mm -hmm. it's great that you are aware so when you are with other people and you are feeling their emotions your awareness already keeps you protected because you already aware that that's their emotions not my emotions whether the um so that makes you an empowered empath because you have that awareness but there are people um around that they they are not aware and they take others emotions as, as their own and then they don't know how to separate the two so they're not taking only their emotions, they're taking on their worries, their burdens, their problems. Yes. And then you you go into fix-it mode. So empaths are natural um, fixers, healers. They want to make you feel better. They want to solve your problem. They want to help you. So it's like a natural thing that you will normally see empaths. They tend to be doing like nursing careers Mm. like problem solving i i recently are meeting a lot of women that they used to do project management because they are so good at managing and solving problems they're really good uh, office managers and um they're veterinarians they're like really into helping and trying to save the world they normally also work in like animal rights and civil rights and like if if you were an empathetic lawyer, you'll be the one that is always doing pro bono stuff and, and things like that. And does that mean that we kind of give things to people for almost for free then as well? Because we want to just help yes. and support and just be that yes. living person. Yeah, I read a book once that yes. I loved. And it was called yeah. The Curse of Being Lovely. And I yeah. resonated with that so much. Yes. The thing is that, yeah, it, <laughs> it was very funny when I started to read, you know, because I always thought, but I'm so good. I'm such a good person. But then when you start to understand, you actually understand you're not doing this stuff for others. You're doing it for yourself to make yourself feel good. <laughs> That is so interesting because we often think, to me, well, if I do it, that makes me such a nice person. Everybody will like me. It's interesting yeah. where it comes from. Yeah, it's a, it's um, it, it is it it, it it kind of puts you in a dormancy position because mm-hmm. then when people trying to take care of you, you and take advantage of you even, so you don't even realize because you are so focused on yourself. Like I I'm, I'm gonna help you and I'm gonna feel great. So then people take advantage of you. Is that why we're almost like a perfect collision for narcissistic men? Exactly. Yeah. So for those, like, could you give us a little definition of like what a narcissist could 
possibly look you know in the qualities they could have yeah um i prefer to say toxic as in they don't care about you because there is such a broad spectrum of yeah. what the narcissist is isn't it and then there is mm -hmm. the there is a clinically what do you call it um clinically uh, you know, there's got this time from the doctor, yes, you've got a narcissistic disorder, but there is yeah. a lot of people with that highly narcissistic personalities that they're working mm -hmm. with, and there's nothing wrong with them, just that they, you know, they're really good at putting themselves first and to an empath, if they're not an empowered empath and they don't know how to protect their boundaries, then even if it's just a very mild narcissist, it will end up harming you and they will end up taking advantage of you and not because they're horrible people it's because the empath will let them will give them free free what do you call it like a free pass come and take advantage of me yeah almost like we give out power away so e easily exactly yeah exactly so you know it doesn't mean that everybody in the world is bad and mean it's just if 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 you allow people do you know that saying, if you give them a finger, they'll take the arm? <laughs> I've never heard that before, but I love it. <laughs> oh, that really? Oh, that's, that's really like a Spanish saying. If you give the, don't give them the finger because they will, they, you know, if they, they'll take the whole arm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use be, that. <laughs> there must be like a, like a, a British um, um, sort of same saying, you know, just... So like if you don't if you love them they will take advantage of you and a narcissistic person will for sure you know 100% of the time will take advantage of you but it's, oh, that's so, so that's why boundaries are so important so first of all so that you learn to separate your emotions from others to separate what your life is and what others lives are and to know so that also that you can learn to take care of yourself and put your first yourself first and you know if if you were to encounter a person so that they wouldn't take advantage of you you can still be lovely and you can still be yourself you can still be authentic as long as you set boundaries in place and know where your limits are I think it's like you say it's knowing, isn't it? So when you're aware, you can kind of exactly decide like what your behaviour is going to be. And what when women are working with you, Penny, what do they? What is the main things that they're coming with you? Is it because they can't put those boundaries, or can they find that really difficult? Yes. So I've um, first I became a love coach because I was finding so difficult to find a partner, and I was very much in victim mode yeah. at the time and I was like but you know I'm doing everything right you know I'm young I'm cute I'm smart what the hell <laughs> I love it Penny and, and uh, yeah you know, what is happening why it's nothing why is nothing um setting why is no why am I not clicking with people and obviously you know I was putting men on the pedestal I was putting them first, I was putting their needs first, mine last. And this is also, you know, it takes you to dormatty territory and it's not a very sexy look to mm. a guy. You yeah. know, when you present yourself in, in that way. 
and it might be great with friendships it might be great with everything else but not in a romantic setting because um, men love a challenge and when you know and i'm not saying that i was easy but you appear easy because you know you want to please because that's kind of your highly sensitive empathic way exactly yes mm. but uh, there is another uh, another uh, a little a little thing that i discovered when i started to study all this uh, empathing and it's also do you know like when i was saying earlier that it's almost selfish to the empath that you want to help people and it's that do you know when we um are with somebody else and we need to say no to that person you as an empath because you are able to feel others emotions even before they're feeling their own emotions yeah. when you're saying no to that person you will feel their negative emotion to as a reaction to you saying no to them mm -hmm. so it's almost like a protective thing that you do to not say no save yourself the burden of feeling, of feeling the other that. person's negative emotions to you say no oh penny this is so true i can relate so much to this yeah so and i remember um i learned this from there is a lady called judy dyer and she's got um lots of books and i she said to an empath you say no to someone it feels like a dagger to the heart because you will actually feel the disappointment of the person. Yeah. So, because we are not good with these um, emotions, then you will almost say yes to um, save yourself the, you know, the uncomfortable moment that it takes you to say no. We would rather put ourselves out a hundred times than say yeah. no. Yeah. Yes, and I, I kind of say I said it in my book, but I'm a like I say I'm like a people pleasing, almost a former yesaholic. Like saying yes, yes became almost it just was yes. my go-to. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Like yeah. easy, but underneath you're like no, and you become really resentful yes. of yourself and that yes. person, especially if you're in a loving relationship. That is oh, really difficult. Like I'll never forget my last Christmas with my family. I had never been so unhappy in my life. And then I realized that my sister was doing the same thing that I was doing. So she was also overburdened and drained and burned out. And we are all trying to like please everybody. So mm -hmm. it, it, it just really make us all into a super toxic family because our lack of boundaries, it just really ruined the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. Although you have the best intentions at heart, mm. you know, because there is nothing left of you to give when you are so drained and burned out, you're really not doing anybody a favor like this. No, this is true. Penny, if people can re resonate with this and they're like, yes, this is me, this is me, what mm -hmm. is like, what is a few steps they can take to kind of readdress this within their lives? So the awareness, I find that for 40 years without the awareness so that was mm -hmm. you know it's 
it's, it's very nice to say, oh, I live with toxic people, but I was one of them, you know, I didn't have bad intentions, but I was also toxic because I, my, my lack of awareness, you know, my lack of boundaries. Mm. So it, 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 you, you are there in the toxic environment, you're not stopping it, you're not doing anything to, so you become part of it, you know, even though that you're like the nicest person in the world and you have the best intentions, aha, you know, you, 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 you become part of it because of your lack of awareness. So once you're aware, that already empowers you. And then once you're aware, when you are presented with situations or choices or anybody asks you something, before you open your mouth and say, sure, <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll cook dinner for 30, no problem. <laughs> and you don't have a space in your kitchen to make dinner for two <laughs> in next time that you are um confronted with choices just take a second and yeah. say to yourself well can i do this do i want to do this yeah what do i get out of doing this and i think it helps to start like with small no's doesn't it like really small yes. oh, no, sorry yeah i can't i can't make that Yes. Is. I can't make that lunch, but I could do this time, you know, almost like start yes. s- small rather than exactly. bit things that you know really trigger you. Yeah, so I, because I, you know, my main niche is like, I'm, an, I'm a love coach. So I, I have the best opportunity to teach women to say no, because when they come to me, I tell them online dating, it's the perfect scenario for you to learn to say no. Yes. Because you don't know these people. And you might never meet him, right? You are it's, it's, it's just like a guy of Tinder or on match.com. So, you know, when he says to you, are, are you free tonight? So you can say no. You know, where, where, mm-hmm. so that the guy has to offer you something else that is more suitable for you. And like this to learn to put yourself first. And it's really great to learn with strangers because they don't know that you were a former people pleaser. <laughs> so they, they, they'll, they'll just take you or leave you, you know? And although rejection, it's very much, you know, something that people are very afraid of, including myself. Again, I don't like rejection either. But you learn to, to, to see that it's okay, you know, even yeah. though that you are rejected, you'll um, be okay. What's next? Yeah, exactly. You know, there's plenty of more guys out there and you can, you know, try with the next one and, and, and wait for someone that will try to please you for once and somebody that is trying to make your life better, make your life more comfortable, more enjoyable, instead of making their everything about them. This is so interesting, Penny. I need. I want to ask you, and I yeah. wonder. I'm kind of interested to see what will be your answer. But has anything ever happened in your life that has really changed how you show up? Whether that's I don't know an interaction with someone, or a book, or a life event. Has anything ever happened to you that has kind of changed your path? Yeah. Well, I the the main catalyst for me was when my dad um, passed away. That was like a big wake up call for me. And I remember when he passed, I kept thinking, life is so short, life is too short. Mm. Because up until then, I had lived like, yeah, I'm young, I have time. Yeah. <laughs> sure, you know, I, I have time, 
I've not met the one, but you know, he'll come. I don't need to look for him. It'll just happen. I'll have children. Yeah. And I was very much into this mindset that I'm young and everything will just happen without you having to like almost work for it. You know, like if it's meant to happen, it will happen. And I also, until this point, I never had to like go like dating, like relationships would just happen, you know, almost accidentally. I never had to work for, you know, have a relationship until this point. And then mm -hmm. I realized, first of all, that the realization that time runs out and life is short. Mm. And that never occurred to me. Like I remember in my 30s, I don't remember when Madonna got pregnant, but she, I remember it was like a big thing for me, like Madonna got pregnant and she was 50 or she was almost 50. And maybe I needed it at the time to tell this to myself, but I remember myself thinking, well, you know, look at Madonna, she had a baby at 50. It's totally fine. I still got plenty of time, you know, which is, is not true because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because we don't have Madonna's bank account. <laughs> that and would be lovely were, though, Penny. Wouldn't be. And then, and, and also, you know, when, when, when time runs out, we don't have Madonna's connections that you can just do a baby <laughs> from like, like, like when you go for rice to the supermarket, that's how she got that adopted baby. You know, we don't have that kind of connections. So it's, it's, it's like a, the biggest lie that I ever told myself. I don't know if I, I really needed to, to hear it at the time, but when my dad passed him, you know, like that was a big realization, first of all. And then, so that's when I started going online dating and I was like, right, so I'm gonna take the bull by the horns, you know, I'm gonna- And I'm gonna get active on this, yeah. I'm gonna get active in this, you know, I want all this stuff, I'm gonna make it happen. So then that's when everything started to go really wrong. And this random lady at work, I don't even see this lady anymore. This random lady at work said to me, so, what are you doing, you know, what strategy are you using? And I just looked at her in disbelief thinking, I had to have a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, what? What? And she was like, yes, you know, you need this strategy. And I was like, do I? Yes, what are you doing? And I was saying to her, well, I just go and meet people and we click, we click, we don't click, we don't click, right? And, um, and she was saying, you can't do that. And I was like, but why? I've always done that. And it's always worked out great. You know, you can't force the click. And uh, and she was like, no, you are becoming uh, a serial data. And, you know, uh, nothing is coming out of this. And you're going to be like that forever. You need a strategy. <laughs> so she mentioned a few books. Okay. That I could get. And I was like, first of all, like, the thing came down on me like a like a bomb like wow there is books that you can read about yeah, what are like, these books penny what do we need to read i know and so, so she gave me a few and i remember because the names were shocking so one of them was the power of the pussy and i was like oh, i need this book <laughs> just because the name is so naughty like i need to read this book there's the book up there with this name on the shelf seriously and then there was another one that it was, I think she said to me, 
Why the Men Love Bitches. Yes, I've read that book. Okay, and and then another one that it was called The Rules for Dating. Okay. So I read The Power of the Pussy. I think that was my first. And uh, and I was like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. But it didn't bring it home for me. Then I read The Bitches and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I can see this. I can see why. Yes, I get it. But still, <laughs> like, I don't want to be a bitch, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I got the rules. And I tell you, this, the rules... Because I didn't do too well with those two other books. I didn't even want to pay full price for the rules. So I bought it on Amazon Marketplace. And I paid 40, I think it was 42 pence. <laughs> or 46. I can't remember if it was 42, 43. And then like it was like posting, which was like two pounds. So I didn't even pay full price. This book took a month to arrive. I think it was from the States. And uh, when it when it came, I remember going to bed with it, and I, I did not sleep. I went to bed straight. I mean, I mean, I went to work without sleep because I was up until my alarm clock went off reading this book. Wow! And I could not put it down. I was the rules girl. I was that woman in every scenario that they explained. I was her. And even though there's some scenarios that had not happened to me, I could see how I would have done exactly the same mistakes. Mm. And I really saw myself. And also this book brought something bigger in me. The realization that I had never been loved. Not by other of my boyfriends, not by my ex-husband, and also not by my parents. That was not love. Wow. And, you know, so it was, it was quite something, this yeah. book, you know. And um, so I started to study these rules. I was like, right, you know, and this book is like, it's called The Rules. And it's like rule one, rule two. <laughs> and that rule one is um, become a creature unlike any other and it's the most beautiful rule in the world, which means learn to love yourself, you know, be confident, be worthy, be, you know, raise your self-esteem, walk with your head high, you know, put yourself first, you know, you are, it's almost like, um, do you remember that movie, The Holiday? Yeah, I love and, that movie. And um, uh, what's her name is having um, dinner with Arthur and he says oh yeah and she um says, Kate Winslet's character yes Kate Winslet is having a dinner with, uh, with Arthur and he says you are being the best friend you need to be the leading lady the leading lady of your own movie so if this is your life you have to be the own leading lady of your life. You can't be the best friend or the supporting actor. And sometimes, you know, I've even been an extra in my own movie. <laughs> you know, not being an extra or a supporting lady. You have to be the leading lady of your own life. 
and and put yourself first you know and treat yourself like you are a very important person because in your own movie in your own life you are a very you are. Important person right and also you can't help others if you are putting yourself last because there will be nothing left left to give you know and um men find that very sexy that is very appealing and if you as an empath use your power to put your just you, you put yourself in the other person's position and wh what would you like more a confident person that knows their worth or you know an unempowered empath that is always giving their energy away what's sexier Right. It's so interesting. And I was going to ask you, like, what do all women need to know? But I think it's that. I think you've just That's cracked it, it Penny, is yeah. being that leading lady of your own life. Yeah. And, and, and owning it, like knowing it. Yes. And uh, exactly owning it. And, and it's, it's perfectly fine. You don't, just because you put yourself first, it doesn't make you the villain of the, of the, of the mm. movie. And I also, another thing that I tell my ladies to help, it's because we are always better when we are thinking like for somebody else. So then, if you don't want to be your own lady in your own movie, be the director. And your job as a director is to make your leading lady happy. It's your responsibility. Her happiness depends on you. So what does your leading lady need to be happy? Do you know that she needs a relationship? Does she need a better job? Does she need better people around her? Does she need to move apartments? Does she need to move cities? What, what, that, what does she like doing? Is she doing enough for what, that, what she wants? Is she, do you know, yeah. is she happy? What does she need to be happier? What, what things make her happy? Let's make her do these things and become your own director that the director of your movie because your life it's your movie it's your story how do you and want like your you story said, to go like you said earlier it can be a really short movie as well we've got no idea the length of the movie exactly so you don't want you don't want the movie to end before your leading lady has got everything that she could possibly want in life and it's your responsibility as the director, or I don't know, you can give yourself the title that you want. You want, the, you want to be the writer, the screenwriter, the director, the producer. It doesn't matter, but it's your responsibility. Penny, I've learned so much from our little chat. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, well, I'm, uh, my platform of choice is Facebook, you know, I'm on my 40s. I'm a Facebook girl. <laughs> so you can find me on Facebook, Coach Penny Love. And I'm also on Instagram. And I have a little, a mini YouTube, which I'm trying to grow. So you can also find me, Coach Penny Love, on YouTube and Instagram as well. Amazing. And I will put all those links when I send the recording of this as well. But Penny, thank you ever so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh -huh, thank you. It was lovely talking to you. You're absolutely lovely. I hope you enjoy this week's edition of the podcast. If you did, please give us a review or share this podcast with a friend. And I will see you next week on the So That Got Me Thinking podcast. Mm -hmm.